Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 13, we're continuing, of course, our study of the history of the nation of Israel. We saw 1 Samuel, which had, of course, Samuel and Saul, and now we're seeing 2 Samuel, which deals with the life of David as he's the king of Israel, and it's uh, some great things. Now, we've seen a sad thing that's happened. If you remember the card that I gave you when when we first started the study, on one side, it just gives you information about 2 Samuel, but on this side, it actually gives an outline, and we put it together this way. We said chapters 1 through 10 is David in triumph. Everything's going good for him. And then in chapters 11 through 24, which you can tell we're in that section, we call it David in trouble. And that's when David really had some real problems and he has sinned with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. He has lied. He committed murder. He had Bathsheba's husband uh, killed in a battle. And so there's just really a, a bad time. And let's just face it, it's just a terrible time. But we've seen the last couple of weeks some things. We saw that uh, Nathan the prophet was sent by God to confront David about his sin because David hadn't dealt with the sin. And then David confessed his sin. He said, I've sinned against the Lord, that we saw Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 that David wrote when that happened. He confessed God was amazingly, uh, we talked about amazing grace. We saw it today, or we, we sang it today, but we saw it in this passage where God said to him that he has taken away your sin and you will not die because he should have died. And so uh, we've seen that confession, but then there are consequences. And God said, the sword will not depart from your family. The sword, there's going to be consequences. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not, not whatever you so you reap. There are going to be issues there. He said the sword will not depart from his house. Evil will come from his family, and we're seeing it. We've already seen that one of the, the, the little baby that David and Bathsheba had died. We saw that last time. It was just horrible. And now we're going to see some things that are terrible as well, and we're going to see the beginning of the conflicts. And I hate to say it, but the whole rest of the book, the whole rest of the book is going to be conflict and problems, just what God said was going to happen. As we, as we go today, let me give you some things to think about. I'm going to raise some questions. We're going to talk about love and lust. What's the difference? What do we see in the passage that we're studying? We're going to talk about sin, how it affects so many others. It's never in a vacuum. When we sin, it's just never us, and we talk about that. And then we'll see the issue that vengeance belongs to the Lord, and we'll see how that ties together. Well, let me start out with this, the word that everybody knows, love. Everybody says love. Love is an overused word in one sense. We say we love ice cream, and we love to exercise, and we love, I love my dog, and I love my wife. And there's, you know, we say the same word, and we say, well, is the love of your dog and the love of your wife or the love of ice cream, is it different? What is love? You know, our culture, when we see on television our culture, love is someone looking across the crowded room and sees someone and says, oh, I, I think I'm in love with this person, and it's a desire or an attraction. Our culture defines love as a feeling, as an attraction. You, you just fall in love, and you, you can't help yourself, and you have no control over love. Well, this is not true. Love is not an emotion. Love has emotions with it, but love is not emotion. Love is not a feeling. We don't fall into love. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. The Bible commands us to love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. So we love God. He also commands to love our neighbors, ourselves. He says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He says, wives, love your husband. Love is an action and a commitment. And we think about marriage. I've done over 300 weddings. And we talk about it. And, and a couple, they stand before God and they make a commitment. They make a vow. Their vow is to God and to themselves. And they say, I will love you for as long as I live. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on emotions because feelings and emotions come and go. It's based on a commitment. We're going to see our passage this morning that it says, Amnon loved Tamar. And we're going to talk about it. Is this love? It's his half-sister. Uh, we're going to find that it's actually not love. It's probably lust. 
And we want to look at this passage, and we're going to see that, that love desires the best for another person. When you love somebody, you desire what's best for them. Lust is desire for yourself. And lust is that I want this, and I want this for me, and I want it now. And we're going to see our passage this morning. It's a, it's a terrible passage, and we'll see how it ties together. Let me give you the outline of the passage of how it's going to flow together and what we'll see this morning. We're just going to look at the first 22 verses. We're going to see Amnon's desire is for Tamar. We see he has a plan. We see his actions. We see what happens. And then at the end, we see Amnon's hatred. What hatred? And we see uh, Absalom and what his hatred is. And what we're going to see how in the world does all that tie together. So let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 13. Look at verse 1. It says, now it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So let's stop for a second. It starts, it says, now it was after this. After what? Well, after the baby died, after they attacked the Ammonites and won. And remember, David was called and said, come, help conquer the city. If not, somebody else will get the, the, the honor. And so David goes and they defeat the Ammonites and they get this big crown that weighed 75 pounds and they put it on David's head and he holds it up and David conquers. And so after all of this happens, it says now in verse 13, chapter 13, now it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So we find out that Absalom is one of David's sons. Now, if you look in the Bible and if you go back over to 2 Samuel a little bit, you'll find that David had like six or, I think he had about eight wives, and he had a number of sons with those wives. And they had uh, an oldest son. The oldest son is named Amnon. And then he had a second son, and he, it's talked about who, who he was, but he's never mentioned again. We think best we can still, as we look at the Bible, he probably died as a, as a baby or maybe as a young boy. And then you have a third son, and his name is Absalom. Now, Absalom is handsome, and every, he's tall, he's handsome. He just, everybody would say, good, gracious, alive. And so the, you look at this guy, and so you have the son named Amnon. You, we don't know who the next one is, and then we have a son named Absalom. Now, if you're really thinking about this, who would be the next king after David? Well, it's supposed to be his oldest son. That would be Amnon. And then if Amnon, something happened to Amnon, it'd be Absalom. But what we already know from the Bible and what we know is going to happen, that God has already told David that he had a son named Jedidiah, which his other name was Solomon, and Solomon's going to be the next king. So we don't know who knows that. We don't know if anybody, any of these brothers or any of these sons know any of that. But what we've got so far is we've got this man named Absalom, one of the sons of David. He has a sister named Tamar who's very beautiful. And then there's another brother uh, named Amnon, and he's really the oldest son. And so we meet this sort of a triangle here. You've got Tamar and you've got Amnon, and it says Amnon loved her. And we'll talk more about it in just a second. So Tamar was very beautiful. And by the way, if you look at some of David's family and you talk about Absalom and even Amnon and Tamar, and they're all handsome and beautiful. I mean, there's, you know, David was a handsome guy and the wives that he got, I'm sure it talked about several of them were just very beautiful women. So the family, the kids are going to be just something special as well. So it was, it was that this Absalom, the son of David, had this beautiful sister whose name was Tamar and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So the oldest son loved the third son's sister. That, that's what it is. Now, if you look at it, it says he loved her. The Hebrew word actually has an idea of an attraction. It has an idea of being like looking and going, wow, wow, I, I'm attracted to her. And, and, and the word is love. And it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean sexual desire. 
The Hebrew word, it could also just mean uh, 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 an idea of just wanting something, not necessarily sexually. And, but I think we're going to find as we look at this passage that he wants her, and he wants her in a physical way. He wants her sexually. He looks at her. She's beautiful to him. He says, I want her. Look what the next verse goes on to say. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin. And it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. Now, it says he was frustrated, which literally, the, the Hebrew means to tie up. He was like, I'm so tied up in this thing. I'm so frustrated in this thing. I want to get to her, but I want her, but I can't because she's a virgin. And, you know, technically, why? Well, first of all, she's the king's daughter. You don't really mess with the king's daughter, even though if you're the king's son. Second is, she's a virgin, which is she's supposed to be. And the third thing is, she's really his half-sister. And according to Leviticus chapter 18, you're not supposed to marry your half-sister. That's, that's part of the Mosaic law. So, but he's so frustrated because of this, and he's, he made himself sick. I mean, he's, if you probably saw him, you'd probably see him, and somebody said, what's wrong with you? Now, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm worn out. I'm just messed up. I'm bothered. And so look what happens. We look at verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. Now, let's stop for a second. Here's this. He says he's got a friend named Jonadab. Actually, he's, he's David's brother's son, so he's his cousin. This is his cousin. His name is Jonadab, and he calls him a friend. He says that Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, and he was a very shrewd man. Now, shrewd there means... Um, it doesn't necessarily mean bad. It could mean bad. Shrewd might be, I'm smart, I know how to figure things out. It can also be used for bad, like I can trick somebody or something. So he, shrewd means he's kind of smart. And it goes on to say, he said to, to the son of the king in verse 4, he said, Oh, son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? He said, what's going on with you? And then Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. So he says, why do you look so depressed? The word depressed actually is the word for haggard, like, you know, you look like you're all beat down. And so every day, Jonadab would see Amnon, and Amnon's like this. Ugh. And he said, what's wrong with you? You look like you're the whole, lost the whole world, and you're bothered to death. It looks like you're not sleeping. What's going on with you? And he said, well, here's the truth. I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother, Absalom. I'm in love with her. Now, we'll have to, we're going to have to talk, and as we go through this passage, raise the question, is this love, or is this something else? Does he love her? Is he going to commit for her? Is he going to do the very best for her, if that's what love is? Or is this lust? Is it something that he wants? Remember, he's made himself ill because he says, I want her, and I can't, I can't do anything about her. It seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. That's what it said back in verse 2. So he says, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in love. So what happens? So Jonadab says this. Remember, Jonadab is a shrewd man. So Jonadab just said to him, uh, here's what you do. Lie on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight. And then I'll see it and eat from her hand. Now he's got this plan. Jonadab says, I got a plan. I got a plan. And the plan is deceptive and wrong. And let me just tell you something. A friend, a friend will not help you do wrong. A real friend won't help you do wrong. When you say, let's do this, and he's your real friend, he's going to say, no, we're not doing that. That's wrong. You don't want to do that. A real friend won't help you do something wrong. A real friend won't make you do something wrong. A real friend won't come to you and ask you to do something wrong. So be careful, because we're talking about a real friend here, and Jonadab is not a real friend. 
In fact, what would be John, John, why would he want to do this? Well, you remember that he thinks possibly that Amnon will be the next king after David. And he says, I want to get on the good side of Amnon because one day he may be the king and then I'll have a big position. So he thinks, this is what he thinks is happening. He says, here's what you do. I got this plan. And as I said, no friend's going to help you really do what is wrong. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. And then your father, when he hears about it, he's going to come. And, and when he comes, you say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight and I may see it and eat from her hand. So here's the plan. And sometimes we don't think about David in that way. We think about David, he's the leader and the king. And, and, but he, he hears one of his sons is sick. He'll go see him. Some people may say, oh, David? Yeah, he'll go right in there. He's going to go see you. He said, you know that when you're sick, your father is going to come see you. Now, let's face it. David appears not to be a very good father. You know, when you look in the Bible, some of these famous people, they, their children don't turn out very well. Even, even, even Samuel, the great Samuel, his sons were terrible. And Eli, the great priest, his sons were terrible. And when you look at David, we're going to see some of his sons are terrible. I mean, so when you look at this, you say, David, you, you didn't, I don't know. David, what's wrong with you? Well, anyway, you look at it, and but David is going to come when his son is sick. He's going to come and, and help him. So here's the plan. He says, you lay down, pretend you're sick. Your, son, your father's going to come. Tell him to send Tamar. She'll fix the food. You can watch her. And, and then she can eat, you can eat from her hand. She'll feed you. So verse 6. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, this is exactly what the plan's supposed to be, please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight and that I may eat from her hand. So he said, let her come. And let me eat from her hand. Well, you know, she's going to feed you? Yeah, she's going to feed you. I wonder if David thought, why? Why Tamar? Why, why? If you're sick, why do you want her to come? Why, what? David's not thinking. And, and maybe that Amnon is just thinking, I mean, I'll just say it, and he won't even think about it. And he didn't, best we can tell. So what happened? Then David sent to the house for Tamar, saying, go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. Now, when you look at verse 7, you see that, that the sons like Amnon and Absalom, they all had different homes. I mean, they're men, and they've got different homes, and we don't know what's going to One of these days, they're, gonna, they're all in leadership now, but one of them's going to be the king one day, or they think they are. But the women, they may have been somewhere else. The sisters may have been, because he says, send to the house for Tamar. We don't know whether Tamar had her own house, or the house was where all the sisters' daughters would stay. But we know that Amnon has his own house, and we know that we're going to see later that Absalom has his own house, and David has his own house, but we don't know about the girls. But anyway, David, they said, send to the house for Tamar and say, go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. Well, the plan's working out exactly right for, for them. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. And, and she took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight. Now that's like the third time it said in his sight and baked the cakes. Now, the word for in his sight has the idea of looking, but it, it, it could have the idea of staring. It could have the idea that all he wants to do really is look at her. Now, she's beautiful, so he wants to look at her, but it, this may not be a good look. Let me just say it that way. So he, she, he brings her in, and she's making bread. She's making something, and he's just there looking. Okay, 
And so it says, and he, she made cakes in his sight and, and baked the cake. So she's made everything. And then look what he does. So she took the pan and dished them out before him, and he refused to eat. Wait, what? What? I thought you wanted her to come feed you. Well, he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, how everyone go out from me. So everyone out from him. So look, in that house, he has, he has servants. He has guys that work for him. He has attendants, as they call it, because he's the king's son, you know. And so he then says, everybody leave. I want everybody out of this house, except for who? Except for her. And first of all, we should say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you don't need to be alone with her. And she should say, wait a minute, I'm, I, I, this is not what I bargained for. I mean, I came here to get you some food because... You know, the king told me to come, but I mean, if everybody's leaving, I'm leaving, but she didn't leave. And he said, everyone out, so everyone went out. So now, who's there? Just those two. And here's what he says. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. Now, should she have gone in there? Let's think about it. So, no, of course not. She should not have gone in there. And she, he may have power, and she may say, well, this could be the next king, and so I, you know. But she's saying, he, he said, go into the bedroom. Why do you need to go into the bedroom to eat? She made the food somewhere else, but now they're going to take the food in the bedroom to eat? And she should be saying, wait a minute, I, I, this, this doesn't, this doesn't work, work out. So often, we get ourselves in trouble because we're not wise. We're not thinking. We put ourselves in situations that we shouldn't put ourselves in. And sometimes we get ourselves mixed up into things. Look at this. Be careful not to put yourself, be careful that we don't put ourselves in situations where we get into trouble, where we'll be into trouble, we'll do things that we maybe never plan to do. See, sometimes we're not thinking, sometimes we're not wise, sometimes we put ourselves in situations. I have to tell you this story. This goes back a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago. And I had two college students who I was really close with, and they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and they were just special, special. And they came to see me one time. They met, and they said, we want to talk to you about something. I said, what do you want to talk about? And they said, well, uh, we're, we're going further than we mean to go. And they were talking about physical. And I said, really? Well, what are you doing? And they said, well, what happens is, like, I have an apartment, and she comes over, and we study and everything, and we go in my bedroom to study, and then before we know it, we're doing And I said, wait, that's your problem, right? You shouldn't be there. You can't be there. You can't put yourself in that situation. You think you're strong enough not to yield to something if you're not careful. So be careful. We don't need to put ourselves. And poor, poor Tamar, she's now got herself in a situation. There's nobody else there, and she's gone into the bedroom with him and him pretending, I want to eat. I won't eat with anybody else around, and I'll only eat in the bedroom. She should be going, wait a minute, this isn't adding up. And sometimes we're not careful, so we got to be careful. we got to be careful in where we put ourselves. Proverbs 4 talks about guard your hearts because it's the wellspring of our lives. And it goes on to say, be careful what you say, be careful what you look at, and be careful where you go. And so we got to be careful what we put ourselves in before you know it. As that old saying is, if you put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, you'll do the wrong thing. And now she's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And look what happens. Verse 10 again, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar brought the cakes which she had made, brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. 
When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her, and he said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. We know what he's saying. Lie with me. Have sex with me. Now, let's stop for a second, and let's ask ourselves a question. It says, he loved her. Is this love? Is this love or lust? Let me tell you what. Love always wants the best for another person. Lust always wants the best for us. Love is, I'm going to do what's best for the person, and lust is, I'm going to do what's best for me. You've heard some people say to couples, and they're not married, but one of them says to the other, and most likely the guy, you know, if you love me, we can do it. We're going to get married one day. If you, let me tell you, love is never going to ask you to do something wrong. Love is never going to ask you to do something wrong. Love always wants the best for the other person. Lust always wants what's best for us. And that whole saying, love is not proved by sex. And if you love, you'll wait. That's what it really is. And that's why don't put yourself into those situations. Love never asks someone to do something wrong. Don't forget that. So what does she say when he says, lie with me? She answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. She says, no, no, this is wrong. Rape is always wrong, by the way. It's wrong. Not, it's, it's not for brother or sister. It's not what we should be doing. Don't violate. This is a disgraceful thing. We would never do this. This is what not we're supposed to do. And then she says, as for me, where can I get rid of my reproach? She said, listen, if you do this to me, It'll be, it'll be there for the rest of my life. And then she says, and as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. You think you're smart doing this? You'll be a fool. People will think of you as a fool because of this. And then she says something like, now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. What is she saying? Is she saying, well, maybe we could get married? Let's don't do this right now, but let's go to the king and maybe he'll let us marry? Why would she say this? Well, sometimes the laws were violated and maybe she thinks we can go before the king and he will let us marry even though the law says not to marry. Or could it be that she's saying, listen, I'm saying this just to get out of here, to gain some time. Maybe he'll say, okay, let's do it that way. Because she's just trying to get out. Let me tell you what I think she's doing. I think she's trying to get out of there. I think she's saying, i got to get out of here. Let's do this. Let's just go to the king. He'll let us get married. She knows he won't, but she can get out of this situation because she's in a terrible place. What's going to happen? Verse 14, however, he would not listen to her. Since he was stronger than her, he violated her and lay with her. Lust is powerful. It clouds thinking. When we're controlled by our lust, it affects us so powerfully, we'll do things that we would never normally do. We all know that when we, when we get pulled by the lust of the flesh, we think things, do things that we wouldn't normally do. It clouds us. It's powerful. It pulls us. He's pulled by the lust of his flesh. He doesn't love her. He lusts after her. He wants her. He wants her physically. He'll do whatever it takes. He's now violating her. He's going to hold her down. He's going to do what, and she's saying no, and he doesn't care because lust, when we're controlled by our lust, it affects us so powerfully. So watch. You think this is love? Look at verse 15. And Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For the hatred which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, go away. He hated her with a great hatred. Listen, this is not love. This is lust. When lust is fulfilled, you don't want it anymore. 
When you've done what you wanted to do, you don't want to do it anymore. You're through with it. Whatever the lust is, whatever you're desiring, when you get it, you don't want it anymore. Once his lust is fulfilled, he doesn't care about her. Notice what he says, get up and go away. And the truth is this, when we treat people like things, we throw them away when we're through with them. And that's what he's done. He didn't care anything about her. Oh, he loved her. He's so sick over his love of her. No, he lusted after her, and all he cared about was her and her physically. And now that he's got it, now he's mad. Now he's hateful. Now he says, I don't even want to see you again, because every time he sees her, he thinks of what he's done. Get out. She says to him, no, because this is wrong, and sending me away is greater than what you've done. She said, you can't just send me out and throw me out like trash. Yet he wouldn't listen to her. He wouldn't listen to her. She had done nothing wrong. To throw her out like this makes her look guilty of something, trashy. And she says, don't do this. Then the young man, then he called his young men who attended him and said, throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. You think he loves her? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's enough to die for her. Do you think he'd die for her? He hates her. He's throwing her out the door, locking the door behind it. And by the way, when it says throw this woman out, it literally says throw this thing out. Throw this thing out. Get rid of her. How you feel about Amnon right now? If you had a chance, you'd go get him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to beat him up? Wouldn't you like to take him down and say, who do you think you are taking care of this girl? Did She's a sweet thing and she came in here to, to do whatever, you, and look what you've done. You think he's going to get away with this? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So watch what happens. Throw this woman out, verse 18. Now she had on a long sleeve garment, for this is the manner of the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. And so the attendant took her out and locked the door behind her. Got rid of her. Now, the, the princesses, the, the daughters of the king, they had these special tops, these types of robes, and they had long sleeves, and they wore them, and it showed, you know, they were princesses. They were the daughters of the king. And so look what happens. Verse 19, she put ashes on her head. She tore her long sleeve garment, which was on her. She put her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. Listen, she took ashes because in that day, you've heard of sackcloth and ashes. She took ashes, put on her head, which showed it was all over her hair, and she took her robe and she tore the sleeves, and everybody could see something bad had happened to her, and she wants people to know, look, I didn't do, I didn't do anything wrong. This has all been done to me, and she goes away crying. She puts her hand above her head like this, and she's going, and she's crying, and she's weeping, and, and, I, and I want you to realize something, that the actions, of, our actions affect others. Look in this passage. Do you think Amnon says, it's no big deal? Yes, it is. You know who it's going to affect? It's going to affect King David. It's going to affect Tamar. It's going to affect Absalom. It's going to affect the whole family, and it's going to ultimately affect the entire nation. This one act right here is going to affect the entire nation of Israel. So when we think we do something and nobody's going to know about it or it's not going to matter, we think we're getting away with something, we're not getting away with anything, and I'm telling you, God loves us. And he doesn't let us get away with things. And our actions affect other people. They affect other people. So look at verse 20. Then Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. 
So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now, she didn't go back to wherever she came from. She goes to her brother's house and stays with him. Now, if you read this verse, you think, wait a minute. He's saying, don't let, this is no big deal. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Yes. But now keep silent. Don't say anything about this. He's your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. You know what he's saying? I'm going to take this matter to heart. You don't worry about it anymore. You just forget it. You come live with me. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him one of these days. Don't let this bother you. I will deal with this. From this point on, Absalom plans revenge against Amnon. He's going to kill him. That's his plan. I'm going to kill him because what he did to my sister. That's what he says. Now, where does vengeance belong? Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And sometimes people are going to hurt us. And if you haven't lived long enough yet, then they have, they, you will, and they will. And what do you have to do? You have to forgive and you have to leave it to God. God is the one that deals with people. We don't get people back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. God has it set up that whether it's the government or whether it's the church, God will discipline and deal with people who do wrong. So look what happened. Now, when King David heard all of these matters, he was very angry. He's really mad. What did he do? Nothing. Why? Why is he so passive? He'd done the same thing. It's pretty hard to be jump on somebody when you do the same thing. And David says, this is wrong. He should not have done that. And then his mind says, and what you did was wrong and you shouldn't have done it. Sometimes it's hard to deal with people when you do the same thing. David's the king. He should have dealt with this. Well, it's not over. Look at verse 22. Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad. So he didn't say anything to him. He didn't go to him and say, what do you think you were doing? He never said good or bad. He never said anything. He just said, I'm going to let this go. And one of these days, I'm going to get him. And we've got to be real careful when in our minds we're saying, one of these days, I'm going to do something. Because that's vengeance. And that's never forgiving. And that's not going on with your life. That's one of these days, I'm looking for something. One of these days... Now watch this. Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister. Hated him. Absalom is looking for an opportunity to get vengeance. And this is just the beginning of the sword in the household. You remember what God said through Nathan the prophet? The sword will not depart from your household. There's going to be killing in your household. There's going to be death. There's going to be problems in your household, David, because of what you did. And now we see it. This is just the beginning. So you've got a daughter that's been raped, a son that did the raping, another son who hates him is, is vowing, planning to kill him, and we've got a king that does nothing about any of it. It's a long way from being over. This is just the beginning. So Amnon lusted after Tamar, pretended to be sick. She came to cook food, got everybody out, got her in the bedroom, raped her, threw her out, Absalom finds out and says, just rest, just don't worry about it, I will take care of it. And he's got some plans. David heard about it, 
and he did nothing. So let me quickly give you this. Let's, let's know the difference between love and lust. Love seeks the best for others. Lust seeks the best for ourselves. Love never asks somebody to do wrong, but only do what is right. Lust fulfills desires at any cost. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. It's whatever I want. Love is not a feeling. has feelings with it. It is not a feeling. It is a commitment. Lust is based on emotions and desires. Love is forever. We make that commitment forever. Lust comes and goes. There are three kinds of loves. So when I do premarital counseling, I teach these loves. There's I love you if, I love you because, and I love you. I love you if you're nice to me. I love you if you do what you say you're supposed to do. I love you if, and that doesn't always work, by the way. And then I love you because. I love you because you're pretty. I love you because you're handsome. I love you because you're smart. I love you because you got a lot of money. But you know what? You're going to get old and you're not going to be that pretty or handsome. So I love you because that doesn't last either. I love you always last. I love you is I love you and I'm choosing to commit to you for as long as I live. That's what I love you is. I love you if, if will never last. I love you because will never last. I love you will last. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're to love God and to love others. And we're commit to the one we love. Let's realize the power of lust. Oh, it is so powerful. You'll do things. We'll think things. We'll do things we never even planned to do because of the lust of the flesh. It is so powerful. It's a bent to do wrong. It's a bent to sin. It is affected by the world, the, fl- the flesh. The world, devil controls the world. The world affects the flesh. The flesh is so powerful. It's lust. It's desire. It's strong desires. And we do things wrong. And we've we got to be really careful. Don't put ourselves in dangerous situations. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to fail. Don't, we all say it. Don't put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. You will do the wrong thing. So be very, very careful. Realize the effect of sin. There are consequences, and it touches others. It's never in a vacuum. What Amnon has done in this passage will go on to the rest of the book, and we'll see it. And finally... Leave vengeance to God. God's in control. He tells us that there's, that there's a government way, there's a corporate way, a government way to deal with the people who do wrong. There's also the church and the body of Christ that deals with things. Individually, we do not get people back. We trust God and allow God to have the vengeance. He knows what to do.